What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Lindsay Merrifield on today's episode. I am so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. Um, Lindsay, I'm just going to toss it. You start wherever you'd like. Yeah, I um, I just want to start off by saying thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, it is an incredible blessing to know that I am not alone in my journey and to hear everyone's stories just... Um, as heartbreaking as they are, it, it is so nice to know that I'm not alone in this. Um, there's so many times that I hear somebody say something and I'm like, yep, mm-hmm, me too. Yep. Right there. So I just want to say thank you. Um, so to dive right in, um, I'm going to start off like everyone else does, <laughs> but my husband, Dave and I have been together for 10 years. It'll be 11 in March and we've been married for four. Um, at first we weren't sure if we wanted to have children or not. Um, but on our honeymoon and after many, um, Bahama mamas, we decided that, yes, we want to have a family. Um, and at that point we began trying. Um, I think we had the misconception that, you know, a lot of people have that it's easy to get pregnant and it's not, it's not easy to get pregnant. Um, so we tried for three years. and, you know, it was a struggle, but um, Dave went through uh, sperm testing and he was fine. So at that point, I blamed myself a lot, um, figuring it was my problem, it was my fault, and there was a lot of guilt behind that. But we were prescribed for Mara, and after one round, um, we got pregnant. And I received my positive pregnancy test on Mother's Day. Um, we were actually planning on traveling to Ohio. That's where I'm originally from. We live in Louisville, Kentucky now, and, uh, we were going to go to Ohio to see my mom on Mother's Day. So I woke up at 6 a.m. and felt the need to take a pregnancy test and, and it was positive and I was frozen. I couldn't move and ugly crying (laughs) and Dave couldn't get out of bed because he was shocked as well. Um, we were so excited. So we told our parents that Mother's Day, but we kept it a secret um, from from everyone else. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump fast forward to our anatomy scan. Um, it was a beautiful pregnancy. There was, um, we had no indications that anything was wrong. And so at our anatomy scan, um, the ultrasound tech was really stoic and didn't say a whole lot, but... I was under the impression that our son, Bryant, uh, we named him Bryant. Um, That's my maiden name. Um, But I was just assuming that he wasn't moving or he was being stubborn, just like his dad. Um, So they made me get off the table and I did jumping jacks and I went to the bathroom and I came back and, and they did a little more and showing us, you know, all the things of that anatomy scan. Um, And then they told us to get dressed. 
at that point, I still didn't think anything was wrong because they weren't alluding to it. And they told us to go meet with a doctor. And so we were in the room with a doctor and the doctor had told us that um, there was a curvature to Bryant's spine. And we weren't, we weren't, they weren't quite sure what was going on. Um, you know, when you're, it's your first pregnancy, you don't expect to hear that anything is wrong. And so it was really, really challenging for us. And there was a lot of tears. Um, at that point, they had advised us to go and see a high-risk um, maternal fetal medicine doctor. Um, and after I had left that 20-week anatomy scan, my phone started blowing up with um, appointments and getting things scheduled. And so that next day, we actually got to meet with a high-risk doctor. And so he did an ultrasound and... At that point, he was telling us he believed it to be congenital diaphragmatic hernia, which is CDH for short. CDH is where there's a hole in the diaphragm and organs will come up through the diaphragm. And so the reason they thought it was this is because in Bryant's ultrasound, you could see his heart and his stomach in the same image. Um, they told us that his mortality rate was extremely high and that um, I probably wouldn't be able to carry him full term. At that point, my OB had called me that night. Um, during this, we were planning my baby showers and she had told me to stop planning um, because the diagnosis was fatal and she just didn't want me to get my hopes up. And, and that weekend, my family was supposed to come in town and help me do the registry. Um, so I had to call them off and tell them not to come. Um, the high-risk OB had scheduled an MRI for me. And so Bryant and I, it was our first MRI. And I thought I knew I, what to expect, but I didn't. And um, I tried to lay so still and tried to be so brave for both of us. But the sounds are so loud in there and I'm anxious by nature. So I would jump when the sound came on and Bryant would jump because I jumped and the MRI text thought that it was just hysterical. Um, so it took a little longer than normal, but we finally got it done. Um, and we got the results and the high risk doctor um, had called us and told us that it was not CDH and we were thrilled um, but he had scoliosis and I remember thinking back about the term scoliosis you know I I was thinking back to when I was a child I can remember going into the gym of my elementary school and the school nurse running her hand up your spine just to see if your spine was curved or not. So I'm like, okay, I know about scoliosis. Like, this is fine. We can deal with this. Um, Bryant's heart was also on the right-hand side of his body. Um, and they told us that was fine. You know, many people live like that. Um, and many people live like that into adulthood and never know that their heart is on the right-hand side. So we were okay. We knew we were going to be okay. Um, so after that, we met with a ton more specialists. Uh, we met with a neosurgeon 
just to confirm again that it was not CDH. And she told us that she highly believed it wasn't. Um, we met with a neo, uh, sorry, a neocardiologist and Bryant's heart was beautiful. It formed perfectly. There was nothing wrong with it. It was a beautiful little heart. Uh, and we also met with a neonatologist and I transferred to a high risk maternal fetal medicine group. Uh, the neonatologist um, gave us a tour of the NICU um, and I, and I broke it was so scary um, and it was really hard to see. The reason why he gave us a tour of the, the NICU is because he assumed that Bryant was going to spend time there. Um, so we had that meeting and we had steps of what Bryant's care was gonna look like. He, um, Bryant 100% was gonna go to the NICU um, and he could have, just been on oxygen, um, if he had a little trouble breathing, if um, the nasal cannules didn't work, then we were gonna look at ventilation. Um, and if Bryant still wasn't doing well on ventilation, then we were gonna look at ECMO. So ECMO is a procedure, it's a really high risk procedure, in which um, they go through your carotid artery, through your neck, and they pull out um, your blood, oxygenate it, and put it back in. Because Bryant's curvature was so severe, they were concerned about his lung development. And so that's why we are putting these things in place. Um, so at that point, I started having appointments weekly at MFM, which should have been scary, but I looked at it as I was extremely blessed because I got to see my son every week on ultrasounds. So, in those ultrasounds, Bryant was growing and developing beautifully. Um, he was practicing his breathing. You could see his little chest rise and fall. And I was such a proud mommy. You know, I, to see that was the best gift I could have ever been given. Um, so when it got closer to Bryant's due date, and I don't think I've said this, and I apologize, um, Bryant was due January 18th of 2019, so um, just 10 months ago. But um, when it got closer to his due date, Dave and I really sat down and thought about our birth plan. Um, because of his curvature, I was extremely scared for him to go through the birth canal, uh, just because I wasn't sure if he would be able to make it or a C-section. And I say we did because there was a lot of conversations between he and I. Um, and I was so upset with my, with my team of doctors because I couldn't get anyone to tell me that that was the right decision. They just kept saying, it's up to you, whatever you feel is best, but I just needed someone to say, you're doing the right thing. Uh, but I, but we went with it and we were okay with our decision and we had to have trust in our decision. Um, so two weeks before Bryant's uh, scheduled C-section, uh, he wasn't 
doing well in the ultrasounds. Um, again, I marked it up to stubbornness, but he wasn't moving a whole lot. Um, he was moving, there was a heartbeat, he was practicing his breathing, but he just wasn't moving as much as they wanted him to. So at that point, I had to go into a separate room and get hooked up to a heart monitor. Um, and Brian actually did this twice on us. And the first time the nurse looked at me and said, are you ready to have a baby today? And I was not. <laughs> um, and that terrified me. I, a lot of people, you know, when you get so big and get so far along, keep asking you, are you ready to get this baby out? And I was one of those women that was saying, I knew that Bryant was safe when he was with me. You know, I, I didn't know what the outside world was going to be for him, but I knew together we were okay. And so, no, I wasn't ready to have him. Um, but he had, you know, he had to be born. So our C-section was scheduled on January 14th. Um, we came in at, the C-section was scheduled at noon. So we had to be there at 10. My family still lives in Ohio, so they came in that morning. Um, we had a great morning. Um, we actually opened up our Christmas presents together. They weren't able to come in for Christmas, and I wasn't able to travel due to being so far along. So we had Christmas that morning, and then we all went to the hospital together. Um, this was my first surgery and my first hospital stay, so I was incredibly nervous. My L&D nurse was just this amazing, amazing person, and I couldn't have made it without her, but she continually joked with me that I had white coat syndrome, because every time my surgeon came in, uh, my blood pressure would rise, um, and I was so embarrassed by that, and I kept apologizing, and they just being nervous and we all had a good laugh about it. Uh, so it came time to go into the OR. And again, this was my first surgery. So I was so nervous about the spinal block. Um, I wasn't nervous about the pain or anything of that. What I was nervous about is that when the needle went in, I would jump and I would inevitably hurt something or hurt Bryant. So my L&D nurse promised me that she would bear hug me and not let me move. And she did. <laughs> and I didn't move. And I was so proud of myself. I was so proud of her. Um, so that was like the first hurdle for me. And knowing that we made it through it, I was, I was pumped and I was ready to go. Um, so when Dave came into the C-section or the OR room, he was amazed. He, he thought it was magic that I was still awake and coherent, but I couldn't feel anything, that I couldn't tell myself to wiggle my toes. Um, he still doesn't quite understand how that happened, but it did. Um, and Dave was so strong during the surgery. He, uh, he rubbed my head and he's holding my hand and he's telling me how great I'm doing, even though he knows I'm terrified. And he'll tell the story now, um, and I didn't know it at the time, but he looked over on the floor and I guess there was um, some blood and he won't tell me how much, but he said that 
it was quickly approaching him. And he'll say that he looked at the blood and looked down at, or back up at me and said, you're doing great. Everything is fine. You're doing great. Uh, so that's one thing we laugh about now. But um, leading up to the C-section, Brian, or Dave would talk to my stomach a lot and tell Brian, um, when you get here, you give us our, your biggest warrior cry so that we know you're okay. Sorry. And, um, and it got to the point where Bryant was coming and I could feel this immense pressure. And Dave asked me if I was okay. And I told him I was, and I told him Bryant was coming and I, I just knew it. I knew he was coming. And all of a sudden the pressure relieved and Bryant was here and he did. He cried. He gave us this huge warrior cry and I was so proud of him. And, and Dave was so beautiful in that moment because he became a daddy, something that we wanted for so long. Um, in that moment, I also got my words of affirmation from my surgeon. He peered over the screen and he said, you did a great job, mama. He is a big boy and there's no way you could have delivered him vaginally. Bryant was nine pounds one ounce and 19 inches long and he was born on january 14th at 1:34 p.m and he was the most beautiful and perfect chunky baby i had ever seen i may be biased but that's okay i think as a mommy you're supposed to be biased <laughs> <laughs> so um we knew that bryant was going to the nicu so that didn't concern us by any means um, they put him in one of those traveling um, crates. That's a horrible word. I shouldn't have said that. Um, one of those traveling bassinets. That sounds better. And um, I, all along, I told Dave, you leave me in that OR and you go with our son. You make sure he's okay. I'll be fine. You go with him. So that was the plan and we had stuck to the plan. Um, Bryant passed by our family in the waiting room, um, so they got to see him as well. Um, it wasn't for very long, but they did get to see him. And so they finished me up from the surgery and they took me to the recovery room. And you feel like you're in that recovery room for years. Um, but I, to be fair, I don't know how long I was in there. Um, so Dave came back to the recovery room and said that they were going to start doing tests on Bryant and it was really hard for him to watch seeing his son being pop, you know, poked and prodded and, and he felt really bad about it, but I, you know, just told him it's okay. Everything's fine. He's safe. We know where he is. He's, he's with the nurses that are going to love him and care for him. So eventually, um, I went to my my room and labor and delivery um our family was coming in and out and we were talking about the delivery and how beautiful it was and i started pumping um, to get my milk to come in and while our family some of our family was in the room doctor um, the neonatologist came in to give us an update and he was standing on the side of my bed and he said that they had to ventilate Bryant. 
and I lost it because at that point I knew the steps to where we were heading. Um, this neonatologist is incredible and he sat on my bed and he bear hugged me and let me cry. Um, he was telling us what was going on and what was happening. Um, Bryant's lungs didn't develop fully. And so when we breathe in, we breathe in oxygen and when we breathe out, we breathe out um, carbon dioxide. And because Bryant's lungs didn't develop fully, he couldn't get those gases off of him. And so they were just sitting on him. And um, so the game plan was is trying to jumpstart his lungs and to get that, that gas off of him. So uh, they started, you know, like I said, they tried to do a bunch of different things. They tried to get a pick line in them and they couldn't do that. Um, and around 8 p.m. that night, we were finally able to go meet our son. Uh, so Bryant was in the NICU and he had his own private room, which was a blessing. He, when we got there, he had those felt sunglasses on and earmuffs because he became agitated from all the poking and prodding that they were doing to him. At that point, I had not seen his eyes. And so I had to ask the nurse what color my son's eyes were. Um, so we had to be very quiet in the room. We couldn't hold him. And so we stayed for a little bit, but not long because we wanted him to rest and be able to get some sleep. So I went back to my room and pumping every two hours and doctor, the doctor, excuse me, the neonatologist continued to come in throughout that night and keeping us updated. Um, the gas levels are still rising. They can't get them to stable. And at one point he showed us an x-ray of Bryant's um, chest cavity and the first words out of um, our mouths were wow so Bryant's spine was extremely curved and he was missing several ribs his heart was on the right hand side um, and when we said wow the neonatologist said that was their response as well as long as along with a few choice words um, it was something they hadn't seen severity-wise like that before. Um, they had to put Bryant on a machine. It's called an oscillator. And it kind of, it shakes your lungs in hopes of getting that, that gas off of you. Um, the pick line was unsuccessful. And at that point, ECMO was not an option because of his severe curvature, they could not get to his neck to get to the um, carotid artery. So around um, like four o'clock in the morning, I was still pumping. And at that point, the neonatologist um, stopped knocking and just came, you know, walking through the door. And here I am pumping, um, my breasts are out, Full exposure. I'm thinking it's four o'clock in the morning. Nobody's going to come in. 
And that was my mistake because here comes the neonatologist and I'm shuffling and scurrying to try to cover myself. Dave is scurrying to try to cover me. It's a huge cluster. And from exhaustion and everything else, I just kind of throw my hands up in the air. The pump goes flying and I just say, fuck it. Just fuck it. And I was so mortified because I like to keep a professional, you know, a professional around doctors and things like that. But I was exhausted and, and it just didn't matter at that point. Um, and so the, the next few words coming out of his mouth were the hardest we've ever heard. Um, at that point, they told us that Bryant wasn't going to make it. And um, there's nothing more that they could do. They've consulted with everyone. Um, the gas levels are not, you know, not flattening out, but they're not, they're just continuing to rise. And um, Dave asked the doctor, do we even have hope at this point? And the doctor's next words were, if you have hope, I will hope for you. So around 6 a.m. on the 15th, um, I called my family. My family came in for the, the C-section and then went back home that night. So I called them and I told them they needed to get there immediately. Um, my mom stayed the entire time, so this is extended family. Um, they were on their way and Dave and I, I took my pain medicine and then we went straight to Bryant's room, just spend time with him. Um, the oscillator sounds like a washing machine and it's taken several months for us to be able to do laundry normally again because that sound is horrifying. Um, we couldn't hold him at that point, so we just had a love on him while he was in his uh, bassinet. Um, if you hear a whining noise in the background, I sincerely apologize. My dog is not <laughs> Hayden, our dog is not happy with me that I'm not paying attention to him, um, even though he's got all of his toys surrounding him. No worries. <laughs> um, so. So during the times that we got to spend with Bryant, we, a photographer came in and took his picture. At that point, I was in such a weird mindset that when the photographer came in, I was so concerned because I didn't have my wallet on me. And I just kept thinking, I can't pay you for these. I don't have money. How do, what do I do? And he finally just grabbed my arm and said, it's okay. These are, these are paid for. You don't have to worry about that. But it's the dumb things you, you worry about or you, you think about at that moment. Um, Dave and I are not very religious, but we were offered to have Bryant baptized, and, and we did it. And looking back, it's something I'm, I'm so thankful we did. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful moment. And it's not one I, um, I regret. I'm glad it happened. Uh, our family finally got to come in the NICU and, and meet Bryant. 
Um, again, they weren't allowed to hold him, but they were allowed to love on him and, and give him kisses. And, and it was extremely hard to see um, my mom. Um, I'm an only child and her and I, and she's a single parent and we're extremely close. And Bryant was her first grandbaby. Um, and so it was hard to see her say hello and goodbye at the same moment. Our family left the room. They didn't leave the hospital, but they left the room. And at that point, Dave and I were allowed to give him a bath and a diaper change. And it was incredible. Uh, to this day, I still can't smell Johnson & Johnson. Um, because that's what we used on him. And I was one of those weird mommies that at the baby shower, um, I would smell the packages of diapers because clean, obviously, but they smell so good and they smell like a baby and they smell so innocent. And so to be able to change his diaper, you know, it sounds so minute and minuscule, but it meant the world to us because we knew that was the only diaper change we would get to have with him. Um, so after we bathed and gave him a diaper change, um, we were allowed to hold him. And the reason why we were allowed to hold him is because at that point, Dave and I had made the decision to um, take Bryant off of the machines. Uh, Bryant wasn't getting any better. And all throughout the day, the doctors kept telling us that it would have been a painful death because of all that ox or all that um, gases on him. And we couldn't let him sit in pain. And so we made the decision to take him off the machines. Um, the machines were breathing for him 100% at that point. So I held him first. Um, and he was, he was just perfect. His skin was so soft and I'm pretty sure I rubbed his little foot raw because it was so soft and I, and his feet were so chunky and so adorable. Um, Dave and I made the determination that I was going to hold him first and Dave was going to hold him second. And um, the reason for this is because they took Bryant off of the machines while Dave was holding him. Looking back, this is something that we both um, feel guilty about. Um, I feel like I should have been the one to hold him, but I'm so thankful that Dave got to, and Dave feels the same way. But at the end, we both look at it as someone had to do it. But I, I'm so thankful it was it was Dave because they had such a an incredible relationship while Bryant was in the womb. Um, Bryant would only move in ultrasounds if Dave talked to him. Uh, we are huge University of Kentucky fans and Bryant would always go nuts when he heard the UK fight song. And so they had a bond. Um, so I don't, I don't regret our decision. I just wish we both could have held him. Um, 
So we took Bryant off the machines and at 6.34 on January 15th in the evening, Bryant passed. Um, he passed after five minutes of being off the machines, which tells us that he was extremely sick. So at the time we held him and said our goodbyes and gave him love and hugs and we went back to my room, um, which is in labor and delivery. And it was so hard because that night all we heard was babies crying. Um, the next day, I just wanted to get out of the hospital. I just wanted to leave. Uh, we had talked with a chaplain and planned Bryant's um, memorial. We chose to have him cremated. And the funeral home was um, had picked him up that, or yeah, picked him up early that morning. Um, so I was discharged from the hospital. Uh, the ride home from the hospital was one of the hardest moments because you're not supposed to leave the hospital without your baby. Um, currently, Bryant's nursery is still intact. Um, we haven't done anything with it because I just can't. So it's already still for him to come home. Um, so yesterday marked Bryant's 10 months of being gone. And I've been dreading that day because that means that he has been gone longer than he was with us. So in those 10 months, um, Bryant had genetic testing done. And when you think of medical advances, you think that we know everything, right? Like we're so far along with medical advances, but we're not. Um, there's still a lot in genetics that we don't know. And so what we can test, all of Bryant's genetics came back quote unquote normal. And I hate the word normal now, I hate it. Um, so from what they can tell, there's no answers as to what has happened. Brian, or excuse me, Dave and I had silent carrier testing done to see if we were carriers of genetic disorders that we could have passed down to Bryant. Um, Dave is not a carrier of anything. And I am a carrier of Sogren-Larsen syndrome. Uh, but because, because Dave is not a carrier, we did not pass this down to Bryant. This is not what Bryant had but future children will be carriers of it just like I am. So in, we've been um, advised that in March, they're gonna reanalyze Bryant's um, microarray and to see if there's any more answers, if there was medical advances uh, within the year that could potentially give us more answers. So I think that's, um, where a lot of my guilt comes from. I have a lot of guilt surrounding Bryant because if I don't have answers, then it's easy to blame myself. Um, I did this, something's wrong with me. 
because if I don't have an answer, then it's easier to blame myself. So yeah, that is, that's our story. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I have a feel like everybody listening to this has tears. Um, yeah, I'm like bawling over here. I'm sorry. Um, no, that's okay. So, I mean, his story is beautiful. Your story is beautiful. And it needs to be heard. And I always ask this at every episode, at the end of every episode, if you had one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Such a hard question. Um, so in our city, the lack of... Um, there's not a whole lot of support in our city. There's no support groups for infant loss. Um, there's no cuddle cots in the uh, hospital I delivered at. So reach out, um, use social media platforms to find support groups and other people um, who maybe have gone through a similar situation. Um, because you're not alone in this. Um, our stories are very different and they're always going to be different. Nobody's story is the same, but we can relate. And it's so nice to be able to talk to people who, when you say something, they can respond with, yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're feeling. And it's true because they do. Um, so don't be afraid to reach out and ask for help. Absolutely. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you, is Instagram the best way? So I'm trying. I'm trying very hard <laughs> to do better on Instagram. Um, so yes, please feel free to reach out to me on Instagram. You can also reach out to me on Facebook. On Facebook, I Um, set a journey for myself every day to post resources about infant loss and things that I have found to be helpful. Um, so please feel free to go there and check those out and share other resources that you have found that help out as well. Awesome. Okay, so I will link your Facebook and your Instagram. I appreciate you so much for jumping on, sharing your story from start to where you're at right now. Um, it's not easy to do. So I, I, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you and the Lamb fam and, and just having the opportunity to tell Brian's story. Yeah. It's incredible. And so many people are going to be able to relate to you and heal from you. And, um, I know that it finding purpose in all of this, like it's kind of, it's kind of, impossible in a yeah. way, but, um, at least like this is, you know, this is a big part of Brian's story and it's going to help so many other people. And I hope that does bring you some, some purpose and healing in all of this. So I just appreciate you so much and you are incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes. And keep me posted and we'll talk soon. Okay. Okay. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.